Father, we come to you acknowledging your power, your greatness, and our small size. What an incredible gift you give us in that you would hear, you would listen to small us. Father, in these coming moments as we look to your word, I, I ask that 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 would happen, and we trust that you will hear us as we interact with you. And, and Spirit, I ask that we would hear you as you respond to us. Be with us as we explore your word this morning. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Covenant family, it is good to be with you. And, and while I long to see more of you face to face. Um, in the midst of that, it is such a gathering that we have this medium, and, and in this season, we can gather in this way. In the midst of all of this, I'm, I'm enjoying each week being able to see a few more of you outdoors in different settings and, and to actually be inter able to interact with you face to face. As we think about some of the things going on, uh, continuing to go on in our community, in our nation, in our world, I, I think, I, I find myself, my head is, is spinning with some of the, the difficult and complex things going on all around us. You know, we have this continued racial tension, the shooting of Richard Brooks in Atlanta just a week ago, followed then by the resignation of the chief of police in that city. And then, you know, amidst this national rise in violence against police and this movement to defund uh, police departments in many cities, this, these are sad and difficult things to try to figure out. You know, on another front, I, I read some statistics this past week that, that reported that each day in our country, there are around 3,000 abortions that take place. I read recently that the human trafficking is a $100 billion global industry, and, and our country is a part of that. These are sad and difficult realities. You know, and it's even true in our community. We can look at the problem of child abuse and neglect in our community of Tippecanoe County. Over the past year, I have volunteered as a CASA, which is a court-appointed special advocate. And I've had the, the privilege, but the, the sobering privilege of coming alongside children. Um, these are children who are victims of child abuse and neglect. And, and I come alongside them and I, I have the opportunity to get to know them and to be their advocate in court, to speak for uh, what is in their best interest. And, and some of the things I learn about what these children are going through, um, it, it's a sad and difficult reality when you have their, their abuse and neglect, uh, which is often connected to some drug abuse somewhere in their, in, in their family circumstances, um, sexual promiscuity, domestic violence, all of these things tied together that create a very harmful situation for for our children in our community. 
you know, all of this, even amidst this global pandemic that we we can't seem to get a hold of. And and then even, you know, all of these bigger realities, they they all impact me, they impact us. But but on top of that, there's just the daily reality of my own flaws and weaknesses and the way that those impact me on a daily basis. Our world's problems and our own issues, they bring us face to face with this uncomfortable reality that I am not in control of life the way that I would like to be. That, that I am flawed and weak, that I, along with, with all of us and the human race, we are flawed and we are weak and, and this world is spinning outside of our control. So what do we do about this? I find God's words to us in the Psalms to, to be a gift to us. Kind of, they, they serve almost as a counselor for us. If you think about the opportunity to sit down with a, um, a counselor who understands you perfectly, everything about you, and a counselor who has um, omniscience to tap into for his counsel. So, so he knows everything. So we have this counselor who understands us completely and knows everything. And, and I want us to walk through Psalm 104 this morning and listen to some of his counsel for us in the midst of difficulty. Look with me at Psalm 104, and we'll start in verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, then jump out of your seat right now and go get a Bible. Uh, I want you to look closely at these words as we walk through them this morning. I, I have lots of confidence that these words have the power to change your life. So Psalm 104, and we'll start in verses 1 through 4. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. So the author would have had in mind the reality of kings at that time would have been clothed in splendor and majesty. They would have had the clothes they wore compared to the clothes of the common people would have been bright and, and magnificent and uh, then the, the psalmist goes on. He says, the Lord, he's going to talk now about the Lord's clothes. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. Okay, so, so whereas kings are dressed in these magnificent clothes, um, the Lord is dressed in light itself. So, so all of the brightness of the sun and the billions of other stars and the billions of other galaxies, that light, the Lord is dressed in that light. That, that um, then pales uh, the, the idea of a king dressed in, in these purple clothing. Um, that's nothing compared to the Lord dressed in light itself. So we go on as the psalmist writes, and he says, uh, The Lord, he stretches out the heavens like a tent, and he lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. So the psalmist would have had in view, you know, a king lives in this great grand house of, of uh, um, wood and stone and gold. But the Lord, when we think of his chambers, his home, the, the very heavens are, are the home that, that is the Lord's chambers. Again, the comparison, it, it blows out of the water um, the, the size of a king. Um, 
So we, we go on as the psalmist then describes um, the Lord. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers and the flames of fire his servants. So these very powerful things of wind and fire, they are but um, submissive tools in the Lord's hands. So what do we make of this, this great and magnificent size of the Lord when, when we then think about our circumstances? How does this reality of God speak into our circumstances? You know, on some level, I need to wrestle with this idea that, that he has more control, that God has more control over life than I do, and that, that in fact, the world does not spin out of his control while it completely spins out of my control. So I encourage you to wrestle with that reality, to really wrestle with it, to take time in the, this passage this week, Psalm 104, these first four verses. What does it mean that I am weak and that God is in control? His control can be comforting, yet, yet the sheer magnitude of his control exposes my, my very small control. And there are moments where I think, okay, I realize I'm, I'm, there's so many things I'm not in control of. Well, at least I'm in control of my emotional stability, right? And then I get on my phone yesterday, and I'm going to go on a, um, a, a quick lunch date with, with Amanda, and I pull up my Moe's app. And I get in because I want a good deal when I go out on this simple lunch date, and I pull up my Moe's app, and it needs updated. So I try to update it, and I need the password, but I can't remember the password. So I'm typing in all these different passwords, and none of them work, and I feel the, the stress coming on, and I'm so frustrated. So I, I delete the app, and I reload the whole thing, and then my, I need my Apple ID password to get that app in, and I can't remember my Apple, Apple ID password, and all of a sudden, and I realized I don't even have control of my emotional stability. I'm getting so frustrated right now with this app. And, and it's a ridiculous example, but it's just this reminder that I, I have so little control. I am weak. We need to own that. We need to own our weakness. While it can be comforting that Nothing spins out of God's control. It can also make us question his goodness. If he has the power to stop um, racial tension or human trafficking or abortion uh, or child abuse and neglect, if he has the power to stop those things, then, and he hasn't done it, then we can question the, the beauty of his plan and the goodness of his design. And this is another thing that I want us to wrestle with. I don't believe there's a perfect human argument that for the beauty of our weakness and the goodness of his sovereign control. But I firmly believe that through conversations with the Lord, he, he's the one through his word that can show us the beauty of our weakness and his sovereign control. God is in control, and we are weak. Let's continue to go to Psalm 104 to our counselor for more counsel. 
we can read in verses 10 through 14, um, God makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He, God, waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He, God, makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. This is a beautiful picture, an image of our creator God designing a world in such a way that food grows up in that world and, and nutrients are in that food that, that feed all animals and all humans. This is an extravagant provision that God oversees. So how does this, this physical provision of food from God help us process our life circumstances. Here's the connection I see. On a very basic level, once I see that I depend on God for, for food, for my physical nourishment, I'm closer to understanding my need for him, my need for him at a very basic level. God provides for my physical nourishment. That's what this text is saying. Now, living in the luxury that we, many of us, live in tempts us to believe that, no, actually, we are pretty key players in the provision of our physical nourishment. But these verses point out the superficial conclusion that that is, and they press us deeper. I did not create a world that bears food that gives my body the nutrients that I need. We need to own that. We get distracted by the fact that, you know, we've made incredible advancements in agriculture, but it doesn't change the fact that we did not design the world that provides the food and the nutrients that our bodies need. We are dependent on God's provision and his design of such a world. We need him. I want to encourage you to... Um, to try a practice this week that has been a spiritual practice used by so many followers of Jesus over centuries, and that is the spiritual practice of fasting. Fasting, um, ideally it would be fasting from food for a period of time that is uncomfortable for you. Uh, but I realize some of you have a medical condition such that that uh, would not be best for you, so be creative as to what you might give up uh, that creates a longing in you. Whether it's giving up a meal in a day or giving up food for a 24-hour period, um, as you do that, you experience hunger pains, and honestly, you'll experience maybe a headache and maybe some irritability. And, and as those things come, let those be prompts for you to have this kind of prayer to the Lord where you say, Lord, um, teach me how I actually need you even more than I need food right now. Help me desire you even more than I desire food right now. And after a period of time of praying that prayer over and over again, I, God does this incredible thing of brings us deeper into our understanding of our need for him and our weakness uh, before him. So I encourage you to consider uh, putting fasting into part of your weekly or monthly habits. Let's listen to this last uh, counsel that God gives us in verses 27 through 30, where he says, um, 
The psalmist writes, all creatures look to you, God, to give them their food at the proper time. So this, we've, we've mentioned this already. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. And then, then it turns to a different kind of uh, information for us here. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. So this is referring to God's provision, not only of our food, but God's provision of our very breath. I depend on him for my next breath. Verse 30 says, when you send your spirit, they are created. So this is pointing to the fact that, that I depend on his provision of spiritual life as well as physical life. God provides my, my physical breath and my spiritual life. That is, I'm not even in control of, of whether or not I will have my next breath. My next breath depends on the grace and the mercy and the power and the plan of this sovereign God. How do you feel about that? You know, I think about as my, as my kids go out and they go on a bike ride, I'm not in control over what's going to happen as they're out on their bike ride. I think about this COVID season and we're all um, face to face with this reality that this, kid, this virus can hit any of us. It can take away our life. My next breath, I'm not in control of that. But the sovereign creator is in control of that. I am in utter dependence on an invisible God and that is difficult. Much of the time, my eyes, my experience tell me that, that I am in control, that I am independent. I decide where I work. I decide who I marry. I uh, spend my money how I want to spend it. I go and buy food and I fill my refrigerator and I eat that food whenever I want to eat it. I live in such a way that is healthy and safe so as to assure my next breath. I am in control, or so I think. The, the financial luxury and the resource surplus of living in this country in the 21st century can hypnotize us into just such a conclusion that we are in control. And then a global pandemic hits and your kids grow older, and, and all of these other life circumstances come, and you're reminded of this, this real truth that you are weak and flawed, and the world is spinning outside of your control. Our perfectly understanding, all-knowing counselor reminds us that God is in control that we are weak and he provides for us physically and spiritually, that we need him. Here's the gift in that. When we come face to face with our weakness, with how flawed we are, we are then in a great position to understand and accept our need for him, our need for our sovereign creator. Now, that's not to say that as soon as we um, own our weakness and the, and the world spinning out of our control, as soon as we own that, 
We don't all of a sudden humbly accept the Lord as our, as our um, king and Lord. We, we in that moment, the, the evil one creeps in and tempts us, even in that moment. He tempts us to, to either buck up or, or to give up. The evil one wants us in our moment of, of, of recognizing our weakness before the Lord and our flawed state. He wants us to buck up and to fight it and to say, I'm stronger than that. I can overcome this. I, and, and in doing so, and we, we get puffed up with pride and we make light of our sin and our weakness and we become drunk with this idea that I, I can change the world. Other ways that the evil one tempts us is, is to give up, to, to sink into this sad depression where we give up all hope. We let go of hope. We deny that God is in control and can do anything about it. And we sink in and we, to, to addictions and we medicate ourselves um, with these false superficial things to try to make ourselves feel better. How are you responding in the face of, of the world spinning out of your control, in the face of your weakness and flawed state? Are you giving in to the evil one's temptation to buck up and fight it with your strength? Or are you giving in to his temptation to give up? Scripture gives us this beautiful, gentle message to look up. Look up at our sovereign creator who rules all things. Look up at our gracious heavenly father who provides for us. Look up at the life-giving savior who gives us our next physical breath and spiritual life. The Lord makes it clear through scripture that his physical um, provision is just a sign and a symbol of the spiritual provision that he wants to offer to us. We look at um, Moses and the Israelites as God made the way for them and he parted the waters and, and he, he physically made it possible for them to escape the Egyptians. And that was pointing to the reality that he can spiritually save them. Jesus comes onto the scene and he does all of these incredible miracles. Um, he physically heals people and that's this sign that he can spiritually heal them as well. As sure as he is our provider of our physical life, he is the provider of our spiritual life. It's when we acknowledge our weakness, our lack of control over our physical life, that we can then accept in his offer of spiritual life. And then as we, as we receive this spiritual life, we, we are made alive through his spirit in us. We become kingdom agents that go out into the world and we can then, through his spirit and his strength, we can then impact the physical lives of others. And as they realize the, the physical provision through us from the Lord, they then realize their need for him and they can move into spiritual life. And on and on goes this magnificent plan of our sovereign creator who wants to use us as his weak people empowered with his strength. We need him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul writes of, of Jesus telling him that uh, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Don't be afraid to be weak and desperate before your heavenly Father. That is that, that posture of weakness is the exact position that taps into the most incredible strength that any of us can ever imagine. None of us can muster up the, the strength to change a political and sociological system that places African Americans at disadvantages. But God, through his spirit, working through hundreds of thousands of Jesus followers, can work through our small steps of obedience and orchestrate all of that together to do incredible things. None of us can muster up in our own strength um, the ability to end human trafficking or abortion or child abuse and neglect. But the Lord working through us, through his spirit in us and our small steps of obedience, he can orchestrate incredible things with his Jesus followers to make, um, to bring his, his righteous and peace um, and justice to bring his kingdom to bear in this world. He wants to use us, weak us for his work. Please hear this simple message. I want us to be desperate in recognizing where we are in our circumstances, to recognize our absolute need for God, and then to look up at our perfect counselor and to take in his counsel and to follow what his spirit invites us to do. Who knows what the Lord might orchestrate through your small steps of obedience to change his world, to bring his kingdom to bear in this world. I want to invite you to, to pray um, with me for a moment, and, and I just invite you into conversation with the Lord as we pray. Father, I acknowledge that you are great and that we are weak. We are weaker and more flawed than we yet realize. And we have ready access to you, our God, who, who is sturdier than we could possibly imagine. God, may we not be failures who make light of our struggle, but may we be failures who make much of our rescuer. May we not be failures who make much of others' failures, but failures who know what it's like to need rescued. May we know our weakness, but live into your strength. May, may we be your powerful agents for renewal in a dying world. Father, as we move uh, into this song of response, I, I pray that you would help us continue to reflect on your greatness, the greatness of this God that we serve, who we've come to worship this morning. So we stand and lift up your name and praise, Father, in response to who you are, our great God. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.